following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. I'm Mark Vernon, along with Lou Costable. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. So glad to have you along for the ride. And uh, I did a bit of uh, riding uh, this past weekend. Lou went to a couple of different uh, car shows, and I kind of got a kick. I'm on to this uh, small-town car show thing, Okay. uh, mainly because I like seeing cars that I don't normally see. Um, at car shows when you go to the same ones wherever you live. So you drive 50, 60 miles outside of the area. And this was a, a Lions Club show that had been going on for, uh, this was the 30th annual, and they had over 100 cars. It was a pr- nice little show. It was on a, on a nice shaded uh, grass and trees uh, with the local high school. And the thing, they must have a nice budget on trophies because they had top 30 awards and then they had the uh, best, uh, they had about five best of best of awards, like best GM, best Mopar. And then they had the best of the best of the show. And even the um, top 30 awards, which a friend of mine won one of them, I didn't win anything. Um, I swear this thing was, this trophy had to be three feet tall for top 30. <laughs> and, then, and then the other friend I was with at the show got best orphan for his Volvo and his trophy was four feet tall. Oh <laughs> it had a giant uh, plastic spark, golden spark plug in the middle. And it's one of those trophies that's got the big four, you know, poles. And the thing is just, it, I'm, I'm not kidding. It was four feet tall, barely fit in his back seat. It was hilarious. Wow. And the, um, the car that got best of show was a Messerschmitt, a fully restored Messerschmitt from Iowa. And I didn't see how tall that trophy was, but if the best of regulars were four feet tall i think that and, and you could see it sticking out the back of the messerschmitt while i was driving away. it was yeah. hilarious it had to be five feet tall it was it was just a, a riot but it was a it was a good show a nice way to uh, spend a sunday afternoon and i know that we didn't cross paths we were at a cars and coffee both of us on saturday and you were running around i heard you were there but i didn't see you and i was uh hanging out with my friends and walking around and hey that's what it's all about on a right. summer you yeah. know that's a good time. And you had, um, you've talked a little bit, you, you, if you don't, if you, if you want to talk about this, you can, the, 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 the rough Porsche that you're selling for your friend, if you want to talk a little bit about that or. Well, on the channel, there's a 930, an 82, 930 rough turbo, a slant nose. So if you go to the YouTube and go to my car story with Lou Porsche 1982 or rough RUF, or turbo or porsche turbo it should pop up so uh hopefully by the time this airs nobody can uh, this car will still be there online but hopefully it'll be sold but uh you never I, know i have to ask are you taking commission on this or are you just doing it as a favor yes <laughs> yes i am <laughs> yes you're doing it as a favor or <laughs> yes yes i am yes and yes okay uh I, I just had to ask i just love to help people exactly that's what i do um uh, update on my uh, C4 Corvette. I uh, successfully had the uh, aftermarket Clifford alarm circa 1992 uh, removed from the vehicle uh, in the past uh, seven days. I called it the neutering of the car. And uh, it's great because there's no more annoying. The, the siren had already been taken out, so it wasn't, wasn't wailing or anything. But I swear every, every 10 seconds you walk away from the car, it would just relock the car and rearm the alarm and you just couldn't do anything on the car without the thing 
at that point, just flashing lights and you hear all the relays clicking and stuff and well worth $120 or whatever it was to get the, to get the alarm removed. So I'm really happy about that. And in the next uh, couple weeks, I'm going to, uh, make an appointment to, I think we talked about this on a prior episode. I'm not sure about the steering column. Um, the C4 series had issues with the steering column, the way the, uh, there's like a, a knuckle and then there's a bearing in there and there's pins that go into the knuckle and they wear out and you get a lot of flex in the steering column. It's, it, you don't really notice it until you kind of go over like kind of an undulating dip in the road and you can actually feel the, the steering wheel moving around in your hands. It's a little little disconcerting while you're driving, so I'm going to get that taken care of as well. A little more like a boat in the open exactly, water. Exactly. It's like when you're going over like a wave or something. It's just crazy. So I'm looking forward to getting that taken care of. And I did the oil change on it last week, so that's good. So things are moving along on that front. And I know we've talked about this a lot, but I have to bring it up again because uh, what you said is true about paintless dent repair. I stopped by the body shop last week to check in on my uh, 1975 Firebird, which is slowly coming along with the uh, sympathetic paint work. But I did check out the paintless dent repair that had been done. And it's amazing. I mean, there was a dent on the top of the driver's side fender where it looked like something fell on it kind of similar to maybe what you had on the jaguar and it was a pretty sizable dent and you can't even tell it was there i mean it's, it's amazing. like magic it is these it's guys a, are magicians it's incredible and and the the passenger door had a bunch of little you know kind of like parking lot type dings those are all gone and even a few little i don't know how those would have gotten there but a few little like kind of weird dings on the on the sail panel, which which I call the the space, it's like the C pillar, but it's a coupe. So you call it kind of the sail panel uh, between the uh, back of the uh, front door and the rear window. That that's taken care of. It's like it's amazing. So I'm I'm I, I'm excited. I just had I just had this conversation on Saturday. There's a gentleman there at uh, Iron Gate who has a whole bunch of 240Zs and 280Zs, the 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 Datsuns and Nissans and things. And all of a sudden there was a 71 ford ltd convertible and i said obviously this doesn't make sense compared to everything else well my dad got this for me right out of high school and i kept it so i looked at the car and it was black and the sides of the car looked uh in the door quarter uh, the doors not the quarters quarters were fine the front fender was fine but the doors had these dings Mm -hmm. so i told him exactly about this and i said let me give you the guy because you do have to get the right guy yeah because if you have dent repair and it's not the right guy you'll know it and if you have the right guy you'll know know it so he we went over the the dent repair conversation with him and i sent him the person that i recommended and um, I know he's going to be just as tickled, but yeah, you know, and it was funny because he was a little re- reluctant. He was like, well, you know, I remember when I got those door dings, it was, you know, Sally and Bill and we were next to their car in the drive. And I'm like, you know what? Forget about Sally and Bill. Get that thing straightened out. You'll be happy. In an odd way, it is kind of part of the story of the car. But yeah, get the dents taken out and it, he'll be way off, way better off for it. But yeah, it's amazing. And it's a great, especially with black too. What a, what a great color to get that done on. So you don't have to sit there and try to repaint anything. Um, a um, couple of cars I've spotted on the roads these days. Of course, everything's out driving a car show, so you see a lot out. We always talk about Corvettes, and who's, you can't go wrong with a 72 Red Stingray. And I also saw, uh, and I don't know what the significance of this was, but it was a John Cooper Works 
Challenge Mini Cooper, and it had uh, graphics on the side that was called the John Cooper Challenge. So it might be one of those uh, rallies for a good cause or something like that. But it was interesting because I always thought that minis are neat cars, and the John Cooper editions are even cooler because they're they're, they're higher-powered ones and the ones that handle well. And then this Challenge thing just kind of made it unique. So it was nice to see that. Be sure to tell a friend, uh, friend or more, if you've got hopefully more than one friend, about the Car Guys Report. Uh, that's what we're doing here. Mark Vernon along with Luke Hostable. It's available online. Just head on over to radiomisfits.com. That's the uh, website where you can check out all the Radio Misfits uh, podcasts, not only what we're doing here on the Car Guys Report. You can also follow us at Car Guys Podcast on Twitter. And please email us. We'd love to uh, get your opinions, questions, whatever you want to talk to us about. You can email us at carguysreport at hotmail.com. Lou, we were talking uh, in a recent episode, you were making fun of me when I was talking about my uh, Renault LeCar that I used to own, and you had that smirk on your face, and then we started talking about the smart car, and we both had smirks on our face, and it's official that the smart car is officially dead in the U.S. You can still find one in Europe, I think, but uh, they call it the city car brand, smart city car brand. It's a division of Daimler. And the one model that they've been selling here called the 4.2 will uh, go bye-bye after the uh, 2019 model year. It was uh, introduced in uh, 2008, and they sold 25,000 copies of it right out of the box. I think they all went to people that own small businesses, and they put their graphics on it, and they drive them around as a promo because that's yeah. the only thing I receive with a, with a smart car. And that was the first year. And then, obviously, sales uh, were in deep decline ever since then. And a paltry 1,276 smart cars were sold in the U.S. through uh, throughout all of 2018. So that's a pretty steep departure. So they, that's why they're deciding to pull the plug. I just never really understood the allure of a smart car, even if you live in the city. I mean, the thing was so ridiculously comically small, had this little three-cylinder turbo engine kind of kind of a midships it was kind of a rear engine mid mid engine kind of thing very impractical i mean we drive impractical cars you were scaring children and small animals when you pulled in with your viper today thank you Mark. and um i drive you know my aston martin which is eminently impractical and a corvette which is only a two-seater but a smart car only had two seats too it had some kind of funky little trunk or frunk or something on it too i think but it just I just never got it, and it, it never had a super high EPA uh, mileage rating on it. They were expensive. They started at uh, for 2019. They started twenty four thousand six fifty, and that's before tax, title, license, and dock fees. So I just never really understood it. I mean, have you ever ridden in one, or have you ever done a video of one on on the channel? No, and no, but. The interesting thing, now that you're saying that they're going to die... There'll probably be a, a now, resurgence yeah, of now popularity. Yeah, now what's going to happen is in about 10 years, because there will be none of them hardly on the road, mm-hmm. that now all of a sudden all the people who are 10 years older who have more money will say, hey, I remember that, I want to get one of those. You're right, you're right. That will probably happen, but... We'll see. Um, it was funny, too, because the, the place that uh, I had the alarm taken out at uh, on the Corvette actually had a smart car for their business and I, w- I wanted to talk to the guy because i knew the segment was going to come up and i didn't get a chance to ask him like you know do you just have this just to promote your business or do you really think it's a good car but <laughs> i think i know what the answer to that would be but it was an experiment it lasted about 11 years and um i think the i think the famous thing that people said is you could take two smart cars and back them into a, a single parallel 
Is that uh, right? parking spot and they would fit. Yeah, that was the thing. Or you could fit actually like if someone was parked in one parallel spot and there was a little bit of a space and the next guy you could squeeze in between, kind of like what you do with a motorcycle or something. So, I've seen some Harleys that are bigger than smart yeah, cars. Exactly, exactly. And more expensive too, right? Um, another interesting story that uh, came across uh, online lately, and it's a, a Toyota that probably most of us here in the U.S. aren't known, uh, well-known with or acquainted with, but uh, Toyota has pulled the plug on their Mark II slash Mark 10, uh, Mark being spelled with, uh, Mark 10 being spelled with the Roman numeral X. It was a car that uh, they made uh, for 50 years in Japan, and it's become kind of an institution. So it would be similar if, uh, you know, when when they when GM ceased production on, even though it's a different kind of car, it's more of a sedan. But when GM ceased production on the Camaro for a while, and the Firebird, or if Ford ever pulled the plug on the Mustang, it's one of these cars that just has become endearing to to the the, the population of Japan. It started out in 1968, being called the Mark II, and they changed the name to uh, the Mark 10 in 2004. And it's been referred to as a kind of a uh, Japanese version of a, of a BMW or a Lexus. It's just a big rear-wheel drive or all-wheel drive uh, four-door sedan. And you might actually get a flavor for it so it's like a crown vic it's just a big japanese sedan yeah uh, a lot of business executives would use it um, i'm sure they were being used for uh, transportation like taxis and limousines and things like that it actually was sold here in 1972 remember the toyota corona Boy, that's a that's, small little one, isn't it, it? That's what I thought, but it, that's what the, the article says here. It says, when the body style changed in 77, so did the name. And you'll remember this one, the Cressida. Okay. And that was kind of the yeah, first bigger, bigger kind of squared off, kind of nothing yeah. real special, but it was kind of the, the precursor to the Camry. And, of course, the Camry is like the largest selling car sedan, at least, in the U.S. So, yeah, it became the Cressida here in the U.S., and it was sold here through 1992. But uh, it soldiered on for, um, you know, since 92, so that'd be another 25 years, 27 years uh, here uh, over in Japan. And to mark the end of the era, the uh, Toyota uh, will be selling a limited edition Mark 10 250S in Japan, and it says it will be equipped with 18-inch uh, aluminum wheels, dark chrome-plated front bumper trim, and something very close to my heart, a red and black interior finished in Alcantara and leather. That is very wow. cool. And the colors uh, available for that on the outside of the car would be a white pearl, crystal shine, silver metallic, and precious black pearl. So, uh, c'est la vie to the uh, Toyota Mark II slash Mark 10, an end of an era. And if you've got that Toyota Cressida, maybe you want to order some badges from Japan and rebadge it as a Mark 10 and <laughs> another 10 years as Lou's saying with the smart car, maybe uh, people will start recognizing that as a future collectible as well. We talk a lot on the program, Lou, about the uh, website, uh, the auction website for cars called bringatrailer.com. And there's a lot of uh, very cool stuff that uh, comes across the block. They're all, uh, they're not uh, advertised uh, auctions from auction houses. They're all private owners or maybe some dealers, but mainly private owners. And this is one car that had been being watched, wondering what it was going to sell for. A 2005, and you're, you're Italian, so you can, you can, uh, 
correct my pronunciation if I need it here, a 2005 Ferrari 612 Scaliette. Is that correct? Yeah, pretty good. Okay. And the thing about this car, it's a great car. It's a V12 uh, rear-wheel drive, of course. Uh, This one had 44,000 miles, but it had a six-speed manual. And, again, we talk about V12s and six-speeds. They're not mutually... Uh, they don't always go together with each other these days. And if you can find a V12 with a six-speed, you're doing good. Uh, this was one of only 60 that uh, were sold here in the U.S. So it was a rare car, and people were wondering, hey, what, what is this thing going to sell for? With 44,000 miles on the clock, it sold for 158000 mm. So that's a pretty good price, I think, for that. But I think whoever bought it, if they hang on to it, it I think it could only go up in value because it's a Ferrari with a manual transaxle, which they just don't make anymore. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think I don't even think you all can paddles, get a all pedal. Yeah, shifts. you can't you can't get a a, a regular uh, three pedal uh, Ferrari anymore. They're all uh, you know PDK type transmissions. So uh, that's the way that that went. But it was a good one. You can always go to bringatrailer.com and you can always search the sold vehicles too. So you can see if there's a car that you are wondering about. Uh, one thing I like to do is if there's a, a make or a model that you're interested in, let's say you're interested in, you know, what are 28, 2008 Porsche 911s going for, you can do a search for a Porsche 911 and it'll come up what has been recently sold on the uh, site. And the neat thing about it is if a car does not have a no reserve, obviously with a no reserve it will sell, but if it has a reserve and it doesn't sell, they list what the car was bid up to. So it's kind of like the market speaking, saying we only think this car is worth you know twenty five grand or something like that. I, I'm noticing on that V12 that it that it has five point seven liters. So mm-hmm. I mean, in, in the in the in the U.S. that would be a three fifty. Yeah, just about. Yeah, because my Aston's a five point nine liter V12. Yeah, yeah it's about three hundred fifty cubic inches. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're great engines. They're just the, the sound, obviously, as you know, is uh, just uh, fantastic when you get that uh, when you get a V12 revving up. They just have a sound like no other, really. If you like the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, that's what Lou and I are doing here. Then be sure to check out some of the other programs on the Radio Misfits podcast network, like Losano and Friends. It's an OPI show. Our friend and hopefully yours, once you listen to this podcast, you can join Tony, Tony Losano and his famous friends for a casual comedic conversation about everything that is called Lasano and friends it's an opi production available on the radio misfits podcast network great talk radio isn't dead it just moved to a better place radiomisfits.com is the place to check it all out i'm mark vernon along with lou costable thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the car guys report informed automotive uh a saying that my girlfriend likes to use sometimes when things aren't going well, but it seem, but it's a petty problem. She always says it's first world problems instead of something like a third world problem. And here's something, Lou, that kind of comes under that category of first world problems. And I'll, I'll start by this, asking you, um, and I assume you have been, I have never been actually to a drive-in movie theater and watched a drive-in movie have you ever been yeah absolutely okay have you done one recently or in the past like like 20 years ago or much younger yeah because they've changed a lot um nowadays you don't well nowadays you don't have the speaker that you would 
pull up to and pull into your car and hang on your window. You just tune your radio to like 88.1 or something, and they have the soundtrack coming, you know, wirelessly on an FM signal. But the first world problems here have to do with the modern cars. I guess what people like to do now, and since SUVs are so ubiquitous out in the world, they like to pull into the drive-ins, open the rear hatch, and kind of like recline in the back of the SUV to watch the movie. And because everything is so controlled by computers now in cars, the lights on the inside of the cars are getting very hard to actually turn off because they will either stay on if the hatch is open, they just won't turn off, or you have to follow a very complex sequence of of push buttons or whatever. You have to read your owner's manual, which no one ever does. I used to write owner's manuals, and that was a big joke uh, that... No one ever reads these things, but you can find out how something works if you only read it. But it's it's funny because what they have done, the owners of, of uh, drive-in theaters are, are at the point now where they say that they actually have gone to keeping a database of the owner's manuals so they can have instructions on almost any car that could potentially pull into their drive-in so they know how to turn these things off. Uh, the article from the Wall Street Journal is quoting um, Tim Sherman, vice president of the United Drive-In Theater Owners Association and co-owner of the Autorama Twin Drive-In in North Ridgeville, Ohio. I love that name. Says things have gotten so bad that the association started a spreadsheet for instructions on how to get the lights to go off on as many makes and models as possible. So far, they've got a list of about 900 cars, and they're trying to circulate this among the owners of the drive-ins because it's, they can't do it. A spokesman for Ford Motor Company said that on the 2019 Explorer, there isn't a way to get the interior lights to go off if you have the back hatch open and the radio on and you're gonna have the radio on because you're getting the the soundtrack for the movie it's just so so it says however he said that the 2020 model features a button that will turn them off i just don't understand that i mean most modern cars have delayed interior lighting so once you walk away from the car you arm the security system or whatever they might stay on for you know 10 10 seconds 20 it's usually settable within your you're, you can set the setting for anywhere up to like two minutes or something on most cars. And then they go off and they stay off. I just don't understand why they would design something like this that, okay, if you make it so you want the light to be on with the hatch open, that's fine. But have a way so you can easily override that too. I mean, that's the thing that, that that's I find so frustrating is the fact that just make a way that you can do it easily to get around their thing. It, it makes no sense. Yeah, we, we were at a fireworks show uh, on the 4th of July last year, and my son almost lost an arm, not from the fireworks, but from my wife. Because what <laughs> happened was I, you know, shut the car off and the lights dimmed down, and he decided he wanted to open the door and sit outside, and of course all the lights came in, and somehow my wife, I don't know if she feels like she needs makeup on or something in the middle of the night, but, you know, get back in the car! You know, it was one of those <laughs> things like... Like he committed a crime or something. They even said that some of the uh, drive-in uh, owners have actually taken to uh, purchasing a couple of segways so they can quickly and easily maneuver through the parking lot to tell people how to turn off their lights. And just in case you're wondering, the current tally of the number of drive-in theaters that are um, going on in the U.S., 
There were 4,000 of them in 1958, and that number has dwindled down to 317 drive-in theaters in the U.S. operating currently with a total of 559 screens. So some of them have more than one screen. But I just found that to be an interesting thing because it's like one of these things you would just never even imagine being an issue, and it's impacting the way that these people do their business. And obviously people that go to a drive-in theater, if you're next to a car that the lights won't turn off and you want to be able to watch the movie without a bunch of light. It's just, it's just silly. It's just, again, it kind of fits in with the whole smart car, dumb car, whatever you want to call it. But just the kind of story that uh, you'll hear hopefully on the uh, car guys report. We always try to bring you the interesting and entertaining things. And speaking of radios, speaking of cars and speaking of podcasts, you know, Lou, I spent many years in the broadcast industry uh, as a, a classic rock disc jockey. And as much as I love radio, uh, podcasting takes it way beyond that. And the beauty of podcasting is, obviously, if you're listening to a podcast now, you probably are going to get this, but you may or may not if you're a first-time listener. There's so many things you can do with a podcast that you can't do with a broadcast uh, broadcast radio. If you're listening to this podcast, you can listen to it pretty much wherever and whenever you want. You can listen to it on your laptop, on your mobile device. You can download it into an iPod or into your phone and listen to it that way. You can stream it you know, right from the uh, website on your uh, desktop computer at home. And the beauty of it, and this is something that that I think is is really the key is when you're listening to a podcast, Lou, and people are just like hearing me drone on and on. They go, okay, I've had enough of Vernon. And you can fast forward or rewind or do whatever you want. And you can skip 30 seconds ahead or 20 seconds back if you want to play something back or just have me shut up and see what else is going to happen. And you don't get that uh, ability with radio. It's basically on demand, you're in control, and that is just totally awesome because, and the best thing too is you can go back and historically listen to something. Like if if someone um, is listening to this podcast and they're thinking, oh, what, what the heck is Vernon talking about? That's not right. And then you'll go back and listen to it and then they'll do some research and maybe they'll go like, oh, huh, maybe he was right. Or, hmm, yeah, I knew he was wrong. But uh, that's the beauty of it. Uh, you can just basically, you're the one in the driver's seat, so to speak. And that's what makes um, podcasting uh, cool. And especially in this day and age with uh, all the uh, Apple CarPlay and Android uh, Auto for your car and the ability to easily interface, whether it's a, a blue, you know, phone with your Bluetooth or your, you know, people still do iPods here and then, and even just live streaming, whatever you want. It's, it, it's very easy to do in modern cars. And I don't really have, even in, in the modern cars I have, and I'll, I'll be up front, I don't have Apple uh, CarPlay or Android Audio. I don't have a car that's new enough. My girlfriend has it in her Prius, and uh, she uses it from time to time. And do you have it in the Lincoln? No. You don't? Okay. Interesting. So if you're going to listen to a podcast in the car, you would be probably just streaming it from your phone? Yep. Yeah. That that works perfectly, too. So you don't always need the convenience of having it built into the car. But just a, something to keep in mind as we progress here in this modern world and as podcasts continue to uh, gain in popularity, it's just another reason why you might want to consider being part of the podcast generation. And speaking of that, you can uh, always uh, subscribe to the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. We're available on uh, the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. You can check us out on Spotify, iHeart, 
Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Just search for Radio Misfits or The Car Guys Report. And once you do, please subscribe because then you will get a notification automatically when a new show is up. And you'll always be uh, able to keep up with what we're talking about here on The Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. And please rate us, too. We've got a couple of five-star reviews so far on uh, Apple Podcasts. And we thank our listeners for that. And we would like to uh, always... Too. Remember, you can always email us at carguysreport at hotmail.com if you've got something to say to us. We'd love to hear from you. Lou's looking at his phone right now. No, he's not waiting for his uh, pizza delivery time to, uh, to come to the front door, but he's going to tell us right now about what is new at uh, your YouTube channel. It's called My Car Story with Lou. 1,300 plus videos of car owners and their cars, and Lou does a great job with that. What is uh, some of the cool stuff that we can look forward to? Well, I'm just checking the list, so to speak, and a couple of ones that uh, have some good stories. There's the Black Widow Cuda, a 1970 Plymouth convertible 440 Cuda with a Black Widow color as well as, well, the Black Widow story that you'll have to hear. It will eat its young. <laughs> <laughs> or some Fords or Chevy. Yeah, exactly. So, and then another one that I experimented a little bit on, there's um, a tribute car. It was a 2006 Ford Mustang Shelby GT 500 KR. Now, there wasn't a 2006 Ford Shelby GT KR, but the gentleman was a auto builder and a body shop guy, and he had a 2006 Ford mustang gt that was wrecked so it was in his shop for a while and it, he, he purchased the car wrecked and he said one day i'm going to put that thing together and he and he put this beautiful car together it's got a great color to a 2006 ford mustang shelby gt 500 kr tribute so you could take a look at that and then another one um two more interesting ones one is a uh, a gentleman came up at a car show with an 89 chrysler chrysler's tc by maserati mm-hmm which was the most expensive Chrysler at the time, doubling the price of the LeBaron in 89. And you know why that was? Because it had the name Maserati. Well, they were they, they were building the bodies. That was either a, was it a Pininfarina or a, it was one of the coach builders in Italy. They were okay. making the bodies over there. Then they were shipping the bodies in white, I believe by airplane, if I recall <laughs> correctly, seriously, to be assembled here. And it's that's like, why the the price was a stratos, uh, you know, stratospheric. It was like thirty five thousand yeah. dollars in eighty nine. Yeah. And to compare that, the LeBaron, which was very similar in style, was about eighteen. Grand. Yeah. So it was almost double the yeah. price of their highest end car. And then another one that I did a little bit of an experimentation was, and it was uh, a 1966 Chevrolet Corvair Corsa convertible. So the uh, Corsa has the silver tail pan on it and a little higher horsepower engine. So you could check that out as well. Cool. And then speaking of Corvairs, there was a neat uh, Monza convertible at the, uh, one of the car shows I went to this weekend and that had the 150 horsepower turbo uh, in the back and the yeah. guy was explaining it to people like oh they kind of copied Porsche and it's kind of the American Porsche of its time and in a way I mean a flat six turbo I mean Porsche wasn't turboing those to, for the for the uh, mass market at that time so it was yeah very cool cars uh, Corvairs are really cool and it sounds like some cool stuff definitely on my car story with Lou coming up on the next episode of the car guys report we'll talk about uh, types of used cars to avoid Hoopties. That was one of the terms they would use. And is pure nitrogen worth the cost, uh, worth the extra cost to put in your tires instead of regular old free air? Unless you're going to a gas station paying a quarter to get some air. But we'll talk about uh, the uh, 
uh, practice of putting nitrogen in your car tires. Special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with OpiShows.com. Opi is hippo, spelled backwards, if you ever wondered, O-P-P-I-H, shows.com. It's distributed by Ed Silha on radiomisfits.com. You've been listening to the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time. Check us out on radiomisfits.com. It's all part of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. The proceeding was a presentation of Opie Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? <laughs> a lot of anchors do that. <clears throat> yeah, it's a thing. <clears throat> Are you ready? Ah, oh, boy. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one. Hi, I'm Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. Let's do it again. What? That wasn't good. No, we messed it all up. What's wrong? What? How? It was going good, and then it went south. No, it didn't. Well, if that went south, see what happens now. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Hi, I'm Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. Back to you on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. I need an agent. This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. So, Dave, what will people get when they hear Minutia Men? Well, Rick, uh, worthless information about things in the news. Celebrity tidbits, yeah, stories. Cubs trivia. Very little profanity. Nazi stories. And lots of nudity. And that's uh, that's just a taste of what you'll get. Every week. Episodes every week. Yep. The Tony Lasano Podcast. An OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Radiomisfits.com. You gotta wait for the connection to happen happen operator collect call from and friends oh my god what is this bit <laughs> i don't know for these serious topics and more listen subscribe and rate and friends on itunes spotify iheart google play stitcher and tune in just search for radio misfits Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, we'll talk about types of used cars to avoid. Plus, is nitrogen really worth it for your tires? I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Lou Costable for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, and Opie production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. <laughs>